This is the Huey Alert Podcast with Craig and Shelley Huey, bringing you the tools to transform our nation and culture, the intersection of faith and politics. Hi, this is Craig Huey, the Huey Alert, and we are so glad you're listening in again. And I don't have Shelley with me, but I have a great guest, uh, one that uh, I, I know you're going to want to listen to because he's got so much interesting take on what's going on in the Christian's church today and among Christian liberals or progressives. And uh, his name's Lucas Miles, and he's he's got a great uh, background of, of of interesting content. You know, he, he just finished a church and state Epoch Times series that was named 2023 Program of the Year by the National Religious Broadcasters. He has his own show, and he's done several different books. His articles have appeared on Newsmax and CBN, Fox News, and a variety of others. And I've heard uh, and talked to uh, Lucas uh, at a couple of conferences, and I'm so glad he's with us because he just now has come out with a new book. And it's got such an intriguing title. It's called Woke Jesus, the False Messiah Destroying Christianity. So, Lucas, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, it's great to have you. And uh, I, I've got to start, you know, woke Jesus? What in the world do you mean by woke? What is woke, and how can Jesus be woke? Well, I would I would argue that Jesus is not woke, uh, but there are a lot of people claiming that he is. So it's very important that we dive into the topic. Uh, because I think a lot of Christians are being um, uh, kind of hood- hoodwinked about this and confused uh, in, in many churches you know, across the country as woke ideology has infiltrated the church. So to, to define wokeism, I think in many ways it's a euphemism for cultural Marxism. Yes. Uh, that, that typically what we see um, with woke ideology within the church specifically are uh, it's a contingency of or constituency of Christians, oftentimes Christians in name only, who have embraced Marxist ideology in addition to some of the tenets of the Christian faith, or at least some of the language of the Christian faith. And uh, they, they tend to have a diminished view of Scripture. They kind of a downplay uh, the authority and the inerrancy of God's Word. Uh, they tend to hold to a liberal or progressive moral on things like sexuality, marriage, um, uh, you know, maybe even national sovereignty. Um, they tend to lean towards a socialist worldview um, or some sort of kind of communist or Marxist, you know, substructure there in their preference for maybe how society is organized. Uh, and this, this tends to push them away from things like personal responsibility, uh, personal holiness, and really focus more on collective, uh, you know, more of a collective framework or collective mindset as they're approaching these, these sort of social issues. So, uh, that, that's at least, you know, some of the, the ballpark of what we're talking about. And obviously that's led to a lot of confusion around specifically the person of Christ. Uh, and that's really the topic of this book. Wow. Okay. So that that's a lot to unpack and a lot of great content. So l- let me ask you this. Um, from, you know, as far back as I can remember going back way before the, you know, uh, the 80s and 90s and re- reading material uh, going back into the 60s and 50s and 40s, I kept reading people talking about uh, the liberal church, the and, and then uh, uh, how they took on more secular viewpoints and and like you described it, an economic socialism, 
and they justified it based upon the Bible. They justified it that that's what Jesus was like, and they were always kind of part there, and they're still here. There's many uh, progressive churches in every community, but you're alluding to the fact that it goes beyond just what it might be the traditional uh, progressive church that would have a, a LBGTQ flag, a pride flag, hanging uh, uh, above the church. You're talking about uh, some of the maybe uh, churches that people would consider evangelical churches are starting to move into this this wokeism? Absolutely. I I think that the catalyst for a lot of churches, um, uh, this this transition really happened uh, during kind of this this COVID season that we went through of the pandemic, uh, as well as right in the middle of that, we had this, this culture war that took place over the issue of Black Lives Matter and the death of George Floyd that really sparked that. And so I I think in many ways the church was caught off guard with both COVID as well as the rise of BLM. And and I would say that both of those, you know, um, uh, within the issue of the pandemic and within the issue of of this conversation of of BLM and this movement, uh, there was this Marxist substructure that was driving a lot of this. You know, it's as we have, as many people found out years later, I think some of us saw it when it was happening and before it was happening. Um, but we've realized that BLM was really not about race. It was about a particular agenda that was being pushed through. Uh, I would argue both to push, you know, more of a socialist uh, um, structure onto this nation, uh, um, identity politics. It was also about pushing, you know, this this trans agenda to, do, you know, dismantle the nuclear family. Mm. And so the, the church was in a position where they were trying to figure out how to respond to these things. And I think early on, I can tell you what, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor in, in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, at my church, we, you know, we like probably a lot of churches out there. The first time we heard about the pandemic, we said, let's help. You know, well, let's start. We started making masks. We started, you know, running things out to hospitals that we heard had shortages. I mean, for the first couple of weeks, that's what we were doing. And, you know, we went to live stream only because that's what we were told that we were should do. And we tried to really comply. Um, after a couple weeks, and, and, you know, I'm in a red state super majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, our governor identified churches as, as uh, you know, part of, uh, you know, sort of uh, um, the, 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 the term of, you know, kind of key businesses that needed to be open. And essential. Uh, uh-huh. Essential. Essential. That's the word right. I was looking for. And, and, and so, you know, after a couple of weeks, we, we realized very quickly, like, look, there's more to this than what it appears. And we, we, you know, I stood up on stage and I said, look, I don't work for the health department. And, uh, you know, if you want to come to church, we're going to be open. Awesome. And so we just let people make their own decisions from that. And so yeah. we, we stayed open really the entire time throughout COVID. Good for uh, you. Our church navigated it very, very well. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, but I think a lot of churches, they weren't in that position. They weren't in that framework. They kind of bowed their knee, right. you know, to the state over that issue. Uh, the same thing happened with BLM where, I mean, even to this day, if you go, I mean, in, I'm not going to name names here on the show, although I do with my book. Um, but if we were just to sit here and go, tell me the top 10 pastors that you can think of in this nation. My guess is that probably eight of 10 of those pastors that you could rattle off the top of your head posted on Instagram, a black square in support of BLM yes. uh, during that 2020 year. Oh, and, and put it on their and, website. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And none of those pastors that I am aware of have gone back and taken that down right. or made a statement or recanted and said, look, I was trying to show solidarity uh, and support for people of color in my church. 
I thought that this was the best way to do this, to bring unity. What I have now realized is that BLM is not just, you know, it's not about race. It is not about even, you know, tearing down racism. It's about, it's actually promoting racism, if anything. And it is a Marxist institution um, that is pushing Marxist ideology on the American people and upon the church. And this is anti-God, anti-family you know, anti-Bible, and I, I disavow any sort of support or involvement for that. So, it's as easy as that, but so, no pastors have done it. So, Lucas, uh, I, I admire the fact you open your church doors. So many evangelical pastors kept them closed for a year, for over a year. Mm-hmm. And, and, and these were some well-known authors and radio personalities and, yeah. and, and, and what have you. Um, and uh, it, it was quite disturbing that, like you say, they bowed their knee to, to the state. They did not do what was right. Uh, they, they did not you know, really. The, the, the courts have said we had the First Amendment right to being able to, to exercise our, our religion. And, and so many of these pastors, in one way or another, seem to be kind of moving towards this the whole idea of diversity, equity, inclusion, the, the DEI. Um, do you see that happening as you're, as, as you're describing kind of a, a Marxist ideology with with the uh, BOM? What about uh, uh, DEI in the churches? Yeah, so all, all of this is very much related, and you're, you're exactly right in your observation. So, you know, what, what I've done in my personal, you know, kind of study and development of this, and this is what I cover kind of, uh, you know, in my, in my recent book, is that I'm doing a deep dive into the history where, you know, really starting back, and I actually began in the 1700s, kind of working my way forward, mm. showing how progressive ideology entered the church. Because wow. it's not enough to just see that it's happening today, because it's very easy to start trying to justify that based upon some current, you know, cultural framework. But when you start recognizing where it came from, and why specifically that, that this began to happen, I mean, we if we work backwards, we could go back to uh, the, the birth of the social justice movement uh, yes. or the, the birth of the seeker sensitive movement right. in the church. Right. Both of which were diminishing the word of God and elevating the works of Jesus, sort of this hands and feet. Uh-huh. Of course, as Christians, we're called to be hands, the hands right. and feet of Jesus. We want to, you know, we want to take care of the, the, the poor and the widows. We want to, you know, be able to, to serve the community and really show the love of God in that way. That, that this should be a, a no brainer for us as believers. But it's never at the chagrin of of the message of the gospel of you know uh, solid theology or anything like that. And so if you go backwards from there, you have the introduction of liberation theology and black liberation mm-hmm. theology in the yep. middle of the 1900s, yep. and that was specifically a Marxist worldview that right. was embraced by first the Catholic Church in Latin America with the priest Gutierrez, yes, and then later James Cone, um, you know, in in America within within the African American Church you know, here to give birth to black liberation theology. That, that is not a Christian worldview. And there's a lot of people that would get very offended by me saying that, but when you look at the roots of it, it's specifically both of those have a Marxist framework. Yes. Marxism and Christianity are antithetical to one yes. another, period. There's no, yes. there's no exception there. And so, you know, and th- this, of course, we can go back even further and talk about the historical Jesus movement, which was a, a reactive response to the Enlightenment to try to elevate Jesus's humanity over his divinity, and and you know really decrease the uh, the dependence upon the the miraculous side of Scripture to try to get Scripture to fit into this new post Enlightenment world that was focused on logic and reason, and you know walking on water and being raised from the dead really didn't fit within that paradigm. 
And so they sought to understand Jesus, uh, you know, by pushing aside sort of the, the mytho history of scripture within sort of the thought behind that. Um, so all of this is really designed to see Jesus as more human than he is divine. And I think that this is the sort of the faith component that has created the, the perfect sort of substrate for wokeism to get planted in the church, for pastors to accept DEI, and, and you know, um, uh, and this, of course, is connected to what we see in school systems with their, their SEL curriculum, social-emotional learning, has this DEI structure in there. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the reality is, is that, you know, um, when we look at Scripture, we see things like um, this idea that, that God detests um, um, basically, you know, unequal uh, weights and measuring, you know, that this, this idea of treating people differently based upon some metric about themselves is something that God detests. And so we as people should reject that as uh, we see personal responsibility and personal stewardship, you know, located in every single one of Jesus' parables and teaching something that socialism and this diversity, equity, inclusion movement, you know, really denies. And all, again, diversity, equity, inclusion, wokeism, SEL, all of this is really just, they're just euphemisms for this cultural Marxism that is trying to be pushed on the American people right now. So as you're you're, uh, exposing this in your book, uh, The Woke Jesus, The False Messiah Destroying Christianity, as you're you're, uh, going around uh, speaking at different locations about this, uh, it's something that really the church needs to wake up to what is happening, what the reality is. Uh, we're seeing uh, so many of these um, woke churches, if you will, get involved in local poli- uh, politics, mobilizing their churches and, uh, and, and uh, 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 to affect you know, the, assemb- the school board, the city council, the assembly, uh, the st- state senate, and, and Congress. And they're really becoming very political in what they're doing. And then if you give pushback, what you're called is a Christian nationalist. Uh, have you been called a Christian nationalist? And <laughs> what is that? I mean, when people ask me, are you a Christian nationalist? You know, uh, it's like, how do I define this? Because it's such an ugly, nasty term. Uh, it marginalizes yes. Christians. So what is a, a Christian nationalist? How do you respond to that? So first off, I, you know, my response, and I, I deal with this in my, my work as well, that, you know, my response is probably different than the response of maybe some of my peers in the evangelical or, or uh, you know, even conservative, you know, movement. And, and there I've seen some who've embraced this term, or they've almost doubled down on it by, by you know, saying, you're going to call me a Christian nationalist? That's right, I'm a Christian nationalist. You know, I love God and I love the country. And I understand people thinking in in sort of, you know, uh, almost this reactive response to embracing this, but I really think it's a mistake. And, and, you know, in my writing, one of the things that I point out is that, you know, first off, that as Christians, that we don't need any other moniker or descriptor, uh, you know, uh, of who we are apart from our identity as a believer. Mm. So disciple, believer, Christian, evangelical, you know. Uh, you can have somebody that is a Protestant or a Catholic. I think all of those labels are fine. Uh, but when we start needing some sort of descriptor in addition to that, uh, it's probably exposing something that's wrong today. Now, in many ways, I, I probably use the term conservative Christian mm-hmm. because we're starting to see a lot of progressive Christians. So unfortunately, we start half to defining these things a little bit more so. But when it comes to this word Christian nationalist, or these words Christian nationalist, I really think that this is a what I would call a dog whistle. 
and it's specifically a dog whistle that is, um, you know, uh, you know, being sounded, I think, by the media and by the leftist state in order to try to get people to form an association mm-hmm. between Christians and Nazi Germany. Yes. You know, when most, if I, and I do this in all my speaking yes. events, I'll ask people, what do you think of when you think of the word nationalist? And almost every single time, somebody will shout out Adolf Hitler or Nazi. That's or what Kurt it Bright, sounds like, the, 100%. Like yes. yes. And so to, to my response to that is, if that's what they're intending to draw attention to, then let's look at the history of that. Let's look at actually what the church did during that time period and see if this term Christian nationalist does in fact, you know, uh, uh, stick with describing the current state of the evangelical church. And when you look at Nazi Germany, there were two specific um, uh, church structures that were kind of, you know, the most prevalent within Germany. There was what was known as the professing church, which mm-hmm. is what Bonhoeffer and Karl Barth and other theologians were part of. And then you had what was known as the German Church, or later became known as the German Nazified Church. The German Nazified Church is the branch of uh, the church in Germany that specifically exchanged their Christian worldview in order to embrace the doctrine of the Third Reich. This is why they were, quote-unquote, Christian nationalists in Mm, nature, mm. because there was a hybrid between their Christianity and this adherence to a nationalist view specifically adopting theology or trading uh, uh, certain values within their Christianity for the values of the Third Reich. Wow. This is where, you know, a guy like our friend Eric Metaxas would say that there were some that went as far as to, you know, exchange the Bible for Mein Kampf and the cross for the swastika. Yes. And so these were the Christian nationalists in Germany. They were, they were uh, people who once held to a more orthodox position, but deviated from that in their adherence to this, this you know, really uh, national socialist party state. Let, let me back you up on that, because I want everybody yeah. to hear this. The official name of the Nazi party is the National Socialist Workers' Party. They're, they were mm-hmm. a socialist group. Uh, and, and, yeah, exactly. and, and, and it's just a different variety of socialism where the state, uh, is controlling, regulating uh, uh, the individual, including, in this case, uh, destroying true Christianity, creating this Aryan uh, Jesus, uh, this false gospel, but something that's worshiping and approved by the state. Absolutely, 100%. And so then look at what the other, the professing church did. The professing church, they stood their ground, they adhered to Christian orthodoxy, we had people like Bonhoeffer that ends up, you know, dying alongside uh, their Jewish brothers and sisters for the, the stance that they took against the Third Reich because of their faith. And so the, the professing church was persecuted alongside of Jews in concentration camps, those that did not fled or, or you know, escaped somehow. And so the, I, I would say, OK, let's let's look now today at what we have. What we have in America is we have what we call the Christian left or the progressive church, or we might hear it called conscious Christianity, uh, woke Christianity. And these are individuals who have once hold, held to some sort of Christian worldview, but over time have adjusted that worldview and are now at the place to where their worldview is identical, identical to the leftist state. And wow. so they have the same views about marriage, yes. sexuality, yes. gender, open borders, yes. socialism, mm-hmm. the, you know, um, BLM, you know, uh, all of these things. They're flying all the same flags. 
They're going to all the same rallies. They're standing up in all the same ways. They have exchanged the Christian faith for the agenda of the state. Therefore, and this is where I, I, I'm kind of, you know, as far as I know, I'm the first one to ring the bell. The true Christian nationalists in America are not conservative Christians. It's not evangelicals. It's not conservative Catholics. It is, it is specifically the, the leftist church, the Christian <laughs> left, I love that it. has embraced the worldview. And look, I love it. The, the, state, the state needed, yeah. uh, they were looking for a church that would get in line. I call this Herodian politics. So, you know, Herod used to love listening to John the Baptist preach until John the Baptist said something that he disagreed with. The state loves the church as long as the church will get in line with it. And the, the state has been looking for a church that would that basically would bow the knee to the state and be its propaganda center. And now we start hearing politicians using the name of Jesus to promote socialism, using the name of Jesus. Well, Jesus was a refugee, so therefore open borders or you know illegal immigration should be allowed. Uh, Jesus flipped over tables in the temple, so therefore the riots and St. Louis and Seattle and Portland and other places, you shouldn't have a problem with that. There's sometimes there's a need to express your anger. You know, we start hearing Jesus being used as the reason to justify all of these sort of Marxist, you know, movements within society. And this is this woke Jesus that I write about. <laughs> the woke Jesus of the left, he's, he's triple masked, he's double, he's double vaxxed, about <laughs> to BLM. He'll be whatever they need him to be except for the risen Lord, who is both God and King, the Alpha and the Omega, uh, the biblical Christ, this Jesus they run from in exchange for this fabricated notion of a false deity that is simply there to promote their agenda. Wow, fantastic. Well, well said. You know, uh, Lucas, that was powerful. As, as we wrap up, just two things. First of all, very briefly, if the listeners now are, uh, are uh, not going uh, to a church that's teaching the true biblical Jesus. If they're not, uh, uh, if they're they're allowing DEI, if they're if they're refusing to talk about being involved in our culture and our politics, if they're a church that has uh, really bowed its knee to truth, what would you tell them to do? What should they be doing? Yeah, so we've actually launched an initiative called AmericanPastorProject.org. So AmericanPastorProject.org. And we have so far about 400 pastors that have signed a statement on that website adhering to and committing themselves to biblical orthodoxy. Very mm. high-level theological um, uh, statement that we have that should work for virtually any denomination. We have, we have Catholics who have signed it. We have evangelicals, charismatics, uh, all in between. Uh, from every nation you can think of, have signed this statement adhering to biblical orthodoxy and also taking a stand against wokeness in the pulpit. And we actually have a church locator on that website. Wow. And again, it's for churches of all denominations. And we're, we're populating this more and more every day. And honestly, it, 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 we're gaining a lot of momentum. We do monthly calls for pastors and these things. So if you're a pastor out there listening to this, I encourage you to check out AmericanPastorProject.org. But if you're looking for a church, you can go there. And you can look at the church locator and see if there's a church near you yet that has signed the statement. Or you could take this website to your pastor if you want to know where they stand. And you can say, take a look at this. Would you be willing to sign this? Wow. And then follow up with them after they did. And if they, if they say, oh, I don't know if I'd sign that, 
there's a good chance you're in a woke church and it might be time to start looking for something else. Or if your pastor goes, absolutely, I'd sign that. I believe in the Bible. I believe in standing up for what's true. I'm not going to bow my knee to the agenda of this Marxist you know, ideology and, and I'll get on board. Then you know that you have an advocate there and we've just, you know, we've been able to increase the family of the American Pastor Project. So oh, uh, this is, that, that would be probably a great resource to point people to. Lucas, that is fabulous. Uh, I, I, I hope people will take a uh, look at that. We're going to post that on our website and in, in, in our newsletters uh, so that you'll have that as well. We'll write that up and, and explore that. So the, the final thing, Lucas, I, I'm, I'm recommending everybody get Woke Jesus, the False Messiah Destroying Christianity. I assume they can get it on Amazon, but is there a, a URL where— uh, uh, they could also get it besides just uh, going to Amazon. Yeah, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, Books a Million, ChristianBooks.com, all the usual places. But if they want to go direct through me and kind of support me as an author, they can head over to Lucas Miles, that's L-U-C-A-S-M-I-L-E-S dot org, uh, O-R-G, and they can order that through our store. And they can also find all of my other titles there. Uh, several other books. My last book was called The Christian Left, Good God, and many other resources. So getting uh, getting his book, uh, The Woke Jesus, The False Messiah Destroying Christianity, on Amazon is easy uh, and, and, and quick. Uh, but if you went to his website, you get to see all of his different books and see what other things he's doing. So Lucas, uh, give me that uh, URL again that people could go directly to you. Yeah, lucasmiles.org has a store there where all my books are available. Also, if you're interested in having me come in and speak at an event or your church, uh, or you want to take a look at my speaking schedule to see if I'm coming to an event near you, uh, you can check all that out there as well. Great. Lucas, really appreciate it. I hope you can come back again. And everyone, as we end up, this important podcast, it has such great content. You've got to send it out to people in your church, to your friends, family, and send this podcast to your to your pastor and ask them to listen to it. Uh, and uh, let's uh, let, let's see what they say. So uh, thanks again for listening. Next time, Shelly will be with me. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us this week. We are listener-supported, so please consider partnering with us by donating at craighuey.com or by signing up for our free newsletter. We look forward to being with you next week. And don't forget to share this podcast with others.